Hello and welcome to the British English Podcast with your host, Charlie Baxter. Today we have an episode all on stereotypes that Americans have about British people that might not actually be so true. And for that reason, we have Shana back on the episode or on the show, rather. Uh, Shana from the American English Podcast. Hello, Shana. Lovely to have you back. How are you doing today? Hi. I'm doing really well. I'm, yeah, I'm feeling a, a bit more upbeat uh, after having a big lunch. And so, yeah, I'm ready to talk about this very fun, fun topic. Yeah, good. And before we get into that, um, we didn't actually say how we are. We didn't check in with each other. So h- how's your couple of weeks been going for you? you? You well? Oh, my gosh. There is so much going on in my life. I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, the exciting news is that on this weekend, we're going to Hawaii, <gasps> which I'm very excited about. It's our big wow. first family trip. So my my mom and my dad gave us a this as a present for Christmas about two or three years ago now to go as a big family. And so that did that not just uh yeah, not just like mom pop and us, but like also my brother, my sister, their kids. And yeah, we're going to be spending a week on the beach, getting some, catching some rays. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Catching some rays. Nice. Quite American that. So I would say, yeah, a bit boring. Sunbathing. Sunbathing. That's all we've got. Is that all we've got? Getting burnt to a crisp? Basking in the sun. Yeah. Burnt um, to a crisp. I hope yeah, I don't get burnt wouldn't. to a crisp. No, that's not the aim, is it? Yeah. No, we don't want skin cancer, but uh, that yeah. is generally what British <laughs> people do when we go abroad. Uh that's unbelievable. Hawaii. That's, you know, I think Hawaii is one of the most exotic locations for a British person. Is it? Is it that exotic for Americans? This episode comes with a free worksheet over on the website, thebritishenglishpodcast.com. So grab that and you can listen along whilst using it. Not at all. It's actually the main destination, probably travel location for people from California. So yeah, actually, and also for people from Japan, because it's sort of not really in the middle, but you know, we kind of go from different directions and meet there. So you'll you'll see a lot of Californians and a lot of Japanese people in the, the high rises uh, in Waikiki. Yeah, uh, it's fun. But I bet you don't yeah. get many Brits. Have you met a Brit in Hawaii? You know what? I honestly have not met very many British people on vacation. I oh. have met British people in southern Spain when I went to... Yes, loads of us there. Yeah. We went to, um, what is it, Mijas and Malaga. and Ma- Malaga, we say. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I really haven't met too many British people on vacation, which is interesting because I've, I really do make it a point to go out and talk to people. So I don't know why that is <laughs> random do you do you get the flower uh, necklace when you arrive that's what we think of or i think lay of. uh-huh oh okay the lay yeah we call it a lay l-e-i i believe and so there's always the joke that when you go to hawaii you get laid because actually when you get uh, off the plane in the airport they place one over your head so Brilliant. they actually place a lay on you yeah and so oh, everyone so the first day that. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on the first day, everybody wears their lei. And then usually the flowers die and it's not so pretty. (laughs) So you're going to Hawaii and you're going with your family, a big, big group of you. So do you enjoy the idea of this? Like completely love the idea of it? Or is there some part of it that makes you a bit nervous? Mm -hmm. There's quite a few things that make me a little bit nervous, just with little kids next to the beach. And actually, next to the ocean, I mean, actually, after our last conversation, you kept mentioning sharks. And I realized I had absolutely no idea of any. I didn't know anything about sharks. And you kept mentioning all of these things. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to do my research. And I did a full episode on sharks. And I am now very aware that there are a lot of tiger sharks swimming in the ocean in Hawaii, not near the beaches where actually a lot of the tourists go. Uh, but they are out there and they're slow. And then when they want to attack, they go for it. So that are they, is are they quite aggressive to humans or not? Uh, that's the one I looked at the attack list. I don't know why I did that. And they're always the tiger sharks that bite the humans. That and the oh, Galapagos no. shark. <laughs> so that I don't know. Which, which shark? What was the other one? Galapagos, which I, oh. I'm not really sure what that one is. But anyway, um, that's not my concern about being with the big family. I guess maybe if all of us are out in the water, we're going to be a little bit more safe. But that's Actually, I think that's the biggest concern right now. <laughs> but anyway, I appreciate you talking about that last episode, really, because I, I learned so many wonderful things. Isn't it great how in our job, like if we get an idea of something that we want to research, we can make it part of our episode and we can research it for our job. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you just talking about the Maldives last time. It's like, I can't tell you how many pictures I looked at of the Maldives and going like, oh, I need to maybe I'll do another episode on this, even though it has nothing to do about the United <laughs> States. But anyway, you got lots of stories to share. That is for sure. <laughs> and I appreciate great. it. Yeah. Well, OK. So British people think that uh, Hawaii is a very exotic place. But yeah, OK. So it's a common place for Californians to holiday. That was my attempt at segueing onto stereotypes Americans have for British people. It didn't really work, but we'll, we'll go into the, the first stereotype. And this actually came up when I was watching Austin Powers. So do you remember these films? Austin, yes. The Austin Powers. Austin films? Powers. Yes. That was back in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the main character, Austin Powers, he has pretty awful teeth, doesn't he? Oh, the worst. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Big buck teeth. Yellow, if I remember correctly. Yeah, a bit yellow. Yeah, very big. In your face. They're very in your face, aren't they? And uh, I would say that that was playing on the stereotype that Americans think that British people have bad teeth. Do you think that that was the reason that they played that? Yeah. to that? I'm, I'm not really sure... If I had ever seen any sort of film with British people in it before Austin Powers, to be honest. So that may have been my first perception of British people in general. (laughs) My first exposure as a I don't know if I was like eight or something like that. And so, yeah, that's those sort of images definitely stick. Um, Yeah. But as a kid, I don't think it's something that you would, I mean, go around saying, oh, all British people have have bad teeth based on Austin Powers. You know what I mean? But it's something that you hear 
you definitely hear that um, occasionally if there's a sh- so show on. Now, nowadays, of course, there are so many different British shows that you can be exposed to if you go on Netflix or if, I don't know, what other Hulu or things like that. But there's always a comment if you're with a group of people or just like family members will say, oh, look at there's a British per- person. And I think because there's that stereotype, people are hyper aware. So if there is ever one British person, even if there's a group of 20 people with perfect teeth, they will comment on that one person. Look, that person. Look, it's a British one. Look, they have bad teeth. Look at their teeth. Why do they all have such bad teeth? And it could just be one person in the group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hyper awareness, I'd call it. Yeah. And I suppose that a natural bias that allows you to find it, if you're looking for it, you can find it. But I will say, uh, having been to America and Germany and Australia now, I think there's a reason for it, which we can get into. But before we do, yeah, that that stereotype is played through films. I, I saw it in The Simpsons before um, when they were playing a British person. They had a very big tooth or something. So you kind of notice it, you guys. Do you do you feel like growing up having perfect teeth was a very important thing in your culture? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. So you think about like you lose your baby teeth when you're how old? I don't know, between maybe seven, seven years old, you start losing your baby teeth, say, for example, right after you start losing your baby teeth, like we automatically get braces. Like I had braces, (gasps) probably I had automatically get braces. Yeah. So for example, I had braces twice for a total of four years. This is like crazy. So I had them when I was nine, between nine and 10, I believe. And then also my first two years of high school and actually wore a headgear. I'm not sure if you've seen that. I have. And then after I got those off, I got my teeth whitened. (laughs) So it was like this very um, intense. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell nowadays because I didn't wear my retainer very often. (laughs) And I, yeah, my teeth are now pearly whites. They're great. Yeah, just Thank you. <laughs> taking them in right now. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's that's amazing. So you would automatically go to braces, whereas in, in my uh, upbringing, braces, they were pretty rare. I'd say, I mean, not rare. Every, every class had a couple of kids with braces, but it definitely, definitely wasn't like anywhere near 80, 90% of the kids having them. Uh-huh. And, and I think this comes... So the reason being is we have the NHS that takes care of our national health at a it's a free service and dentistry up to the age of 16 i think is covered by the nhs once mm-hmm. you go over that age it's it it's paid for by the person but um i went to america and i met a dentist and he explained how it is kind of commission based like when they get a client if they upsell them they make more money and I was like amazed by that a little bit, really? like in a, in a little bit of a negative way. But it made me think maybe that's why dentistry is so forced on you guys. And then the culture is to have perfect teeth and, and versus we have a free system that doesn't really want to give out free services in, unless you have to. So it's kind of like an extreme version when we get braces. What do you think? That is interesting. I didn't know about the upselling thing. I haven't heard about that before, but it's definitely private here. And parents, like it's just common, like everybody's parents are willing to shell out like a big bucks for braces. And it's just it's just common. I Like you said, 80 to 90 percent, like definitely wouldn't be those numbers in uh, England. Whereas here, for sure, like you do not want to be that kid in the classroom with the the jacked up teeth. 
That's ah <laughs> uh, right. Okay, so yeah, we're we're kind of the opposite. So actually, this is the first thing on the list of stereotypes Americans have about British people that aren't actually true, but it is actually kind of true. I think over the last twenty years, it's gotten less extreme, and we're becoming more comfortable with having braces. And and Invisalign is changing the game a bit. This um, you know, right brace heard that about you that. can't really see. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like a retainer that's clear that goes over your teeth. Yeah. Um it's it's also interesting. I'm not sure if you guys have this. Um it's funny also I just have to mention really quick talking to you because you also have pearly whites. Got to mention that. And a lot of the <laughs> younger people I've noticed, um the British people that I've met also have perfect teeth. So this is yeah, it's kind of funny to talk about this as a stereotype because it's not something that I'm like, "Oh my gosh, British people have bad teeth." It's just, you know, something you hear. It's this like random you know, stereotype that's floating occasionally is mentioned and and such. So I yeah. I recognize you guys. You guys are looking good. Remember that this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. I'm just going to interrupt this episode by telling you about an ebook and audiobook that Harry and I have done for anyone preparing for the IELTS exam. But this isn't just any old ebook/audiobook. It is a highly intelligent and incredibly thorough one. You see, we noticed how many of our exam preparation students were stressing themselves out over studying long lists of idioms and phrasal verbs before exam day came, and then they didn't even get a chance to use 10% of what they had learnt in the exam. And after studying the marking criteria and really thinking about how often our students should be using idiomatic language in the exam, we took a step back and thought If the examiner is only really wanting to hear a handful of idioms in the learner's answers, as any more would in fact be unnatural or overkill, meaning too much. If we curated a very short list of idioms that could be used to answer pretty much any IELTS question, well, that way the the student is able to go into the exam with these select idioms ready to use in whatever question that comes up. And you know what? It's really working. I won't go on about it any more now, but if you did want to get your hands on these 10 idioms that Harry and I have curated specifically for anyone preparing for an English exam like the IELTS test, arm yourself with these 10 phrases that can be used in so many ways really easily and be given an incredibly thorough teaching process for each one to ensure you not only remember the phrase but you know exactly how to use them like a native would then hey today is your lucky day because we are giving it away for free and all you need to do is find it in the show notes of this episode 
head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com and find it in the homepage. Or just like the free worksheet for this episode, go to thebritishenglishpodcast.com forward slash freebies. That is F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. Okay, enough about the ebook and audiobook, but hope you like it. And let's get back to this week's episode. <laughs> yeah, but um, actually, I got a, a, a comment on my Instagram after doing a story, and they said, you need Invisalign. Oh, it wasn't what? even a hello. It was just, you need Invisalign. And I was like, that's not the normal way British people say hello, but thank you for saying hello. And then they said, oh, you're hot, but you need Invisalign. I was like, oh, interesting way of Whoa. communicating. Thank you. But it's because oh, my tooth at the bottom there <laughs> mm-hmm. has come out of place. Oh, I see. But one out of, you know, how many? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I think 30, that. Yeah. But my girlfriend now, she's just invested in getting kind of similar to Invisalign. I think people are getting a bit more comfortable with it. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think it still exists. So guys, British people probably have worse teeth than Americans, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. But the one thing that I, I, I don't even know if I should mention this, but when I was in high school, I had some good friends that I made that were foreign exchange students living in the U.S. And they were like, this is right after I did my whitening from an over-the-counter kit called Crest White Strips. And they were like, how are your teeth so white? It's crazy. Um, And they were like, well, I want white teeth like that. And I was like, I swear this thing works. And they were like, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to buy it. It's super cheap. They bought it. And both of them went back home with perfectly white teeth. (laughs) And this oh, is wow. not an ad, by the way, but it's like it's something <laughs> it's something that you can buy over the counter here. That's just kind of like, oh, everyone does it, except your teeth get super sensitive. So I like you drink, say, a, drink a coffee afterwards and you're like, Ugh, or water or whatever it is. It's, yeah, I think we have a, a feeling that American healthcare looks after your physical looks more than the actual, you know, well-being of the human. I don't know if people spend much time thinking about that in the UK, but I've kind of got that conclusion because of an example of what you just said. Like you guys are comfortable with the whitening, but it it, it mucks up your teeth a little bit in terms of sensitivity. Yeah, yeah we, but that's actually over the counter. So that's something that you can, you know, you don't even need a prescription for that one. That's like and that, And that's all. what I mean. Yeah, yeah that's pretty dangerous yeah. in my opinion. Exactly. Like you can just do it as, as often as you like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the cosmetic stuff is a lot of stuff you can just get at the regular grocery store, which I mean, yeah, definitely probably wouldn't be able to do there. Maybe. No. I don't know. No, yeah, yeah. But um, okay, so terrible teeth. The next one we have on the list is that we all speak in the same posh accent. What do you think about this immediately? Well, the first thing that came to mind was a video I saw probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago of this British guy, his blonde, that did about over 20 accents. I'm not sure if you've seen that video. It went viral. Yes. And that was, do you have anything to say about that? Were they good? I don't know. Yeah, they were very good. They were very good. Okay. Anyway, so that was my first, I guess, exposure to the different types of, yeah, the different ways to speak in Britain. And I thought that was crazy cool because it's such a small, I mean, it's an island you know it's like you guys are not that big (laughs) and i mean there's just so many things going on i can't remember if he talked about ireland or not but yeah definitely there were so many things 
to be said about it for sure. Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of accents and that video made you aware of them. Okay. So when you think of British accents, let's put aside the Scottish, Irish, Welsh ones. Uh, What do you think of when you think of English accents? Do you have an awareness? Well, you're a language teacher, so you've got more of an awareness. But if you were to think of the layman in America, what would they maybe assume? So we actually do something. Um, Whenever we want to pretend that we are fancy, we pick up a posh British accent all of a sudden, like out of nowhere. (laughs) We kind of mock, um, you know, I don't even want to do it on your podcast. That's so embarrassing. But yeah, we will. We definitely have that sort of go to idea in mind of, you know, Harry Potter. No, I'm not going to do it. Go on. Oh, man. I don't even know. No, no. Wait, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up some some other point in this episode. You guys keep listening. <laughs> but yeah, so there is definitely the um, that idea, like Harry Potter, sort of, maybe, let me think, what other actresses, the Emma Watson, you know, the actresses that, you know, you hear speaking and in interviews and such, they're kind of the perception that we have. Yes, yes, I see what you mean. And I mean, again, in the last 20 years, things have developed but the BBC accent has definitely predominantly been this stereotypically posh accent. Now, uh, radio broadcasters are from, you know, in all, all areas of the UK, which is wonderful. But uh, to export that knowledge in the last 20 years is probably going to be quite slow. So I totally understand why most people think of English accent as this posh accent. Mine is relatively Uh, close to that posh accent. It's not like, oh, hello, darling. It's not quite extreme like that, but it is relatively close to what people call a received pronunciation. Uh, Also, we could call it a a neutral Southern British accent. But um, apparently, from just a quick Google, only 2% of people living in the UK speak with a received pronunciation. So pretty, pretty small numbers there, isn't it? Wow. So do you think if you were listening, let's say like BBC, do you think people from all of these these outskirts cities and like out in the rural England that ha- like were born and raised in a place that speak differently, do you think they actually like change the way they speak in order to be a you know newscaster on the BBC? Like, do you think they need to speak that they- way and Yeah. Unfortunately, I would say that people still feel pressured. Back in the day, definitely. People literally changed their accents to try to become actors and actresses and stuff like that, which is a shame. But yeah, I've got friends that have become senior managers in in big companies. And and he, the one that I'm thinking of is um, from Birmingham, and they have quite a strong Brummy accent. All right, Bab, how's it going? And that was a terrible one. But they say Bab a lot. Anyway, uh, he nullified that he he brought it down and he started to have a very neutral southern british accent which yeah he feels like was necessary to make himself feel more respected again a huge shame but it's it's interesting to talk about so do you feel like when like just it doesn't sound snobby does it like if someone has a posh like very posh accent i get comments of being snobby and posh so I think uh, a lot of 
I mean, as, as we just said, if only 2% of people are speaking like this, again, mine's not truly received pronunciation. My aunties have received pronunciation. And yeah, people would generally feel a little bit like, oh, they're kind of maybe talking down on me or they think that they're better in some ways, if they're sensitive to it, if they're sensitive to it. Yeah, I was just curious, if someone says, oh, this is posh or that's posh, does that have negative connotation? I feel like it does. I've obviously been on the that kind of side of it and I, I've always felt like I just want to not be associated with that one category. And and then it flip reverse. If people feel like they've got a more uh, working class accent, people might have a chip on their shoulder for being stereotyped as, as not educated. So we, we have this, this um, thought People are trying to get over it, and I think it would be great to. But yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah, but That's so you guys, when I went to America, you guys uh, like to do the British accent, and it's definitely the posh one. You definitely like to do yeah. the posh one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do it sometimes for fun. I'm I'm a little bit too embarrassed to do it right now, but yeah, you you know you watch a, a show with it, and you can't help but like imitate it because you it it does sound pretty cool, like. We always have this very positive opinion about British accents and just, you know, if a woman says, oh, he has a British accent, it's something that's conceived, um, perceived as very, very attractive. So um, I would say it's a, yeah, I would say it's a a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, actually, there's a couple of films. uh, I think the hot, no, not the holiday, um, a Christmassy one. Love Love Actually. Actually. Love Actually. Mm, Yes. I love that film. He comes over as a Brit to America and he um, he gets a lot of attention from the girls at the bar, doesn't he? Yeah, I think they pick some rural town. And so I don't. Yeah, it was really over the top. That scene with these girls, the Americans were always so, they're all of them were dumb in that film. <laughs> the Americans were like this, like the president of the United States was this horrible, egotistical man, which is kind of funny. Um, and then Hugh Grant, of course, this, you know, the best prime minister ever. But yeah. Uh, anyway, it was. Yeah, I, I believe it could be like that in some places if there there was a British accent could get you farther. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. OK, so the next one is about being highly cultured. This kind of ties in with what we we're talking about. Highly cultured beings who know the Queen and love opera and about the accent. I do feel like people thought I was more well-read or more academic than I really am just because they thought, oh, he's British. Is that true? It sounds like that. And there are some things I've realized that British people say, like you mentioned in my podcast episode, pardon. And they're like, pardon, if you said that in American English, it's so proper. It's so proper that you automatically come across as extremely polite and extremely, you know, cultured and like there's a lot of things that just with the word choice itself that can make someone seem like more educated or you know well-read pardon is one of them i was thinking of some of the other ones like um may you guys use may i i believe a lot more than we do like we say can i can i get this please can i do this can i you know which i'm sure you guys probably think is 
not very nice or maybe not as polite. But I think just your word choice in general, also the accent itself, those two things tied together, give that impression. And I think people also know, you know, okay, Shakespeare and Keats and, you know, I can't even remember Lewis Carroll and all of these very famous authors come from Britain. And you guys have such like a, I I think there's the impression that there's just a very, uh, just a literary society. Just everybody is reading, it reads all the time. Maybe the weather, maybe it's a little bit cooler out, some like subtle rain drizzle sitting by the fire with a book. It's just this image I think we get when we're thinking of the English countryside or, you know, even an apartment in London. It's yeah, I think the grass is always greener, isn't it? Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it might be something to do with uh, what I've witnessed of of people in America liking to talk about their ancestry and and linking it back to where they came from before they came to America. Whereas we, we don't have that like interest in finding where we came from, I guess, because we feel like we came from where we are, which is, you know, subjective, depending on how long we go back. But yeah, do, do you have that interest? And do people around you want to know where they're from in Europe? Most definitely my family is interested in it. I can't say I am. And they always are surprised by that because they're like, you you travel so much, you always go to other places. And my mom has this book that dates our family back to the 1500s like every single name, it's the genealogy, a family tree, ev- everything about everybody <laughs> is in this book. Wow. And I also have Ancestry.com where I think you just, you send in your spit, which I, I did. <laughs> I did that and found out because my mom wanted me to. And um, the, the point is, yeah, people are really into where they came from. And for me, and I don't mean to like discredit this for anybody that's listening, but I figure if you go back far enough in time, there were just fewer people. So you were like related to all of <laughs> like, of course, I was related to King Henry VIII, you know, because, you know, we we were back over in, Euro- in Europe at that time. We lived in England, you know, like I'm not I'm not really related to him, but um, you get the point. Like there were just fewer people. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. If you go far enough back. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, are you guys related. not? Are you so you're not at all interested in genealogy or? Um, I think my sister did a family tree, but I would say most of us don't really think about that. And I've just heard it on quite a few American podcasts. I probably listen to more American than English just because there's probably more American podcasts. But I've just heard it quite a lot that they're like, oh, yeah, my family is uh, from Germany or my family's from Italian. And a lot of the time people say I'm Italian and they're American. Like they've they've got they're two generations in to America and they still say I'm Italian. I I find that interesting because I don't see that in the UK as much. Uh, it's it's kind of odd to mention that I think to someone who was outside of the Un- United States because among Americans you kind of know okay you came from someplace else not unless you're Native American or you know somebody else that was here beforehand an indigenous community and so and among Americans it's common you know where are you from like where's your family from and then we'll people will say that. Um, but to say it to a British person is kind of odd, I feel like, because it's, <laughs> it's a different, you know, different type of communication. You have to say, oh, yeah, my relatives were from X, Y, Z. Yeah. yeah. So but yeah. I definitely hear that often. So interesting. Yeah, definitely not Italian if you've been here for two generations. <laughs> 
Although I do, yeah, I do, I do respect that. Obviously, they they um, have family heritage that they've probably passed down cultural behaviors. But yeah, so going to the the Queen and loving opera is that something that you think that or Americans around you might think of as uh, British people know the Queen or love opera? You know, opera not so much. Like I, I would think of theater, like yeah. Shakespeare's theater and plays uh-huh. and things like that, and definitely that. Just because just all the writers and screenplays and things that are, um, yeah, screenwriters that are in Britain. But yeah, operas, I would think more of France, probably. Mm, but yeah, um, the Queen, I, I noticed that I actually feel the tendency to want to ask every British person I meet if they know the Queen. Because I figure <laughs> she's got to know some people, right? That's she has so to funny. know. She's right. I mean, she's a woman. She's everywhere. She like is out and about like she's she's pretty old and she's like still getting out. So there is a high. I feel like it's a legitimate question. Is it not? Oh, my God. That's hilarious. I really like that. I feel like you're somebody who's traveled around. You've got your head screwed on and and that's still in you. You still want to find somebody who is related to the Queen if they speak with a British accent. I think that says a lot about the stereotype. No, but no, 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 not related. Like more like, you know, do you know her? Like, are you like <laughs> buddies? <laughs> do you hang out at her table where she's not allowed to, not allowed to comment on her passing gas? <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke that was made in the episode that we did on uh, Shana's podcast. So go have a listen to that on the American English podcast. Uh, do you know the name of this episode yet? that will it will be mm, embarrassing stories or something like that <laughs> something like that yeah check that one out it was a good one uh, okay so we've busted the myth of the posh accent only two percent of people apparently in in terms of um, what i've researched which was two minutes of googling two percent of people in the uk uh speak with a posh accent uh we apparently do have a bit of a stereotype of terrible teeth although we're getting better we're getting better with that and uh, no, not many of us know the Queen, but you guys still apparently like the idea of asking that question. <laughs> but there we go. So that is the end of part one. We're going to carry on with part two and three. And we're going to be talking about uh, drunken football hooligans, food in the UK, if you guys think it is terrible, and, and whether Britain means England for you guys and a lot more but uh yeah if you're here just for part one make sure you go and check out shana's podcast the american english podcast and we will see you next week but thank you very much shana and i look forward to continuing the conversation in part two and three thank you looking forward to it bye excellent bye-bye Thank you very much for listening up to this point. If you did want to listen to part two and part three of this conversation, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com and check out the premium podcast or academy memberships. The premium podcast gives you access to the full conversation along with extended glossaries, transcripts and flashcards, whereas the academy gives you all of that plus exclusive videos and audios for the season-based episodes explaining the vocabulary, exampling them, giving you quizzes, writing assignments and 
weekly speaking classes on Zoom. But if you were just here for part one of this conversation, then I thank you very much for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show. Do grab that free worksheet by clicking the link in the show notes. My name's Charlie, and I will see you next week on the British English Podcast. <laughs>